Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. Before we get started, I just, I feel strong in my heart. As we were in worship, I feel like the Holy Spirit was kind of poking me. Um, Some of you are in here this morning and we, we sang about God's faithfulness, about how He is unchanging. And God is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to Him. There are times we wander. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Has anybody been a strayful sheep in this house? I just sense in my heart right now as we were singing that song that just a thought went through somebody's head. Uh, if you only knew how, how bad I am, God could never love me. Let me tell you something. That is a lie from the enemy. God loves you exactly the way you are. Now, what you did is what you did. That does not keep you from who he is. His message to you is the same. Come home. And I'm just going to take another step here. In fact, I think for, for, I think it's actually more than one person in here this morning. You even compliment, you've even thought about suicide. And I want to tell you this. Your life is precious to the Lord. He loves you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a plan for your life. The enemy wants to short circuit that plan. Don't let him win. Bow your heads with me. If you're here today and that's you, I just want you right now just to take a moment and reach out to God. Talk to him. Ask him to come in and to intervene in your situation in your heart. The Bible says this, those that seek God with all of their heart will find him. He is here in this house today, and he orchestrated all this today so he could be with you. So right now, reach out to him. Just tell him, say, Lord, I need you. Say, Lord, I invite you. Holy Spirit, come. Shift things in me. Change things in me. Lord, forgive me for the things that I've done. And come home. So I'm going to pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that God, all those that are here this morning, Father, that may be in the, on the path of despair, I pray that, God, that you would... Uh, Fill their hearts, Lord God, with your love, your power, and your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would flood their souls. And, Father, you would uh, destroy all of the works of the enemy in their life and in their minds, Lord God, that try to derail the purposes that you have for them in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, make yourself evident and strong in their lives. We love you in your name. Amen. Again, if you're feeling those things, make sure you come and you see one of us at the end of the service. That's why we exist. We're here to help you uh, walk through, through that road. You know, sometimes we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You can do that and not be afraid. Amen? All right, a couple other things this morning. Um, I am not the main course today. I am the succulent appetizer. I'm the thing that gets your juices flowing for the, the main course is sitting right over there. I'm the one getting the juices flowing for the main course. So, you know, don't fill yourself up on too much bread. The main course is coming. Uh, This week, uh, we had uh, a ruling in our Supreme Court uh, in the case of abortion. Uh, Roe versus Wade has been a part of the the fabric of our nation for almost 50 years. Um, For us as believers, the sanctity of human life is something that is precious to God. Because it's precious to God, it's precious to us. As a church, the Bible is not only our source of inspiration, But it's also our anchor, our compass, and our rudder. This is why we at Trinity stand on the side of life. We do. 
Since 1973, we've seen over 63 million babies whose lives have been taken by the act of abortion. Over 92% of those procedures for abortion were done as elective terminations, meaning this. They had nothing to do with medical risk to the mother of the baby or cases of rape or things of that nature. They were simply elective. 63 million babies with no voice. Now, it's our responsibility as a church to be that voice. Now, saying this, we as a church have to become more than just talk. A lot of churches, I don't know if you know this or not, we're really good at talking and sometimes we're not really good at actions. We need to be people of action. Now, here at Trinity, we do many things to stand with our families, specifically women and children who are trying to navigate these incredibly complex situations. Currently, we support over 17 different ministries. Everybody say 17. 17 different ministries that help our single moms out that are struggling with uh, children uh, and, 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 and un, you know, unplanned pregnancies. And we have ministries that are geared toward children that are at risk. Ministries like Door of Hope, Family Promise, Project Rescue, Foster Well, and Urban Promise, to name a few. If you really want to make a difference in the lives of these moms and these babies, stop talking and get involved. Our Facebook rants help nothing. The Bible says this, judgment starts in the house of God. That's us. So we have to step up. To say that our church only cares about children before they're born is simply untrue. Every church that I've ever been a part of over the years has cared for the broken and the hurting in spiritual and practical ways. But as a church, we have to take another step and we have to talk about something that is incredibly important when it comes to this discussion. I think we need to move in compassion when we come and we look at this issue. We need to see this issue through the eyes of, of other people. To have compassion means this. It means I suffer with you. Now, there's an element to this discussion in which the church has been historically really poor at. Traditionally, we have not been safe places for those that have found themselves in positions where they're facing unplanned pregnancies. Currently in our nation, there's more, more than half of our families, 52% of our families are fatherless. You heard me say this on Father's Day. It's shocking. Men, we need to step up. We need to be better. We need to be different. We need to be men of honor. For women, the process of walking this road alone isn't easy. I took some time this week to speak to some of our ladies regarding this. The word that kept coming up in all the ladies that I spoke with was shame. They felt shame for having a baby like this. They felt shame for not being able to keep their man with them. Their man would just wander. They felt shame for carrying a child alone. They felt shame for giving the child up for adoption and even having the child taken away from them from foster care. Here's reality, beloved. Our ladies carry a weight in this process that's hard for a man, somebody like me, to understand. As long as the church, as believers, suck air we need to come alongside of those that are walking this road and show them the practical love, power, and presence of Christ. We have to be better. We have to rise. The true test of love happens when we as believers are called to love and to care for people that think different than us, act different than us, that are just different than us. Jesus said it best in Luke 6.35. He said, love your enemies and continue to treat them well. When you lend money, don't despair if you're never paid back. 
for it's not lost. You'll receive a rich reward and you'll be known as true children of the Most High God, having his same nature. Be like your father who is famous for his kindness to heal, even the thankless and the cruel. Overflow with mercy and compassion for others, just as your heavenly father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. Trinity, this is a perfect time for us to model extravagant love. This is a time for us as a church not to to just shrink back and say, look, all these great things that are happening, the battle, the call of God's heart is before us. Walk that road in humility, brokenness. This is a time to hit your knees. This is a time for us to make a practical difference. I just want to ask you a question. How many of you are in this room and you were raised, you know, maybe by a single parent? Or maybe your dad had just checked out and you didn't have anything. Put your hand up real, real tall. Trinity, this is us. It's time for us to step up. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are grateful that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, we pray simply for this, that you would give us insight into who you want us to be, Lord God, in the midst of this battle in our nation. Father, we pray that you would give us your eyes. We pray that you would give us your ears. We pray that you would put in our mouths your words, Lord God. We pray that, Father, your heart would beat in our chest. And, Father, we would be ambassadors for your kingdom, for your heart. We pray that, when Father, when people see us, they see you. In your name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, guys. Let me introduce you to some. Is everything okay back there, Paul? <laughs> Paul hates that. I always got to throw that in. Let me introduce you to somebody. Um, you can put the next slide up. Uh, this is uh, Andrea. I still remember exactly where I was at the day I received the call from her parents that Andrea was in a terrible accident. Um, No pastor ever wants to get a call like that, but we do. It's part of what we do. I remember um, going down to the children's hospital in Denver, seeing Andrea's mother and father, Mother Leah, Father Ken. Ken was this kid. He was about 6'2". He had tattoos on his neck. If you saw Ken walking down the street, you'd go to the other side of the road. And I remember walking into the, the hospital room, and there little Andrea laid there with a, with a needle coming out of the top of her head. She was in an accident. She was riding her bike, and a car hit her. And they were keeping her alive so they could harvest her organs. And I remember... I remember as I walked into the room, Ken came at me, and he just fell in my arms. And um, he just looked at me, and he said, Pastor, why? Why? You see, Andrea was this little ball of energy and love. We had food banks, we did stuff. Every time you saw her, every time she entered the room, the sun came right behind her. Always full of joy, always full of life, and she was just this amazing, just this incredible little girl. And I remember Ken just falling in my arms to him, Pastor, why? He goes, I don't understand this. Why would God take our little girl? And I just held him. You know, guys, there's sometimes you don't need to understand theologically why something is happening. Sometimes people just need you to listen and they just need you to hold them. I could tell Ken why evil enters the world. I could do all that stuff. But in that moment, before me, in my arms was a daddy that lost his daughter. So I just held him. And um, he just continued to cry out, why, why, why? He said, none of this makes sense. And I remember he said something that just 
It just stuck in my heart like a torpedo. He said, I thought God was different than this. He was a new believer. He says, now I don't have any idea who God really is. I remember the the day we buried her. I remember the process of Ken and Leah as they tried to heal. But here's the reality. I think they're always going to have a little hole in their heart for where their daughter was at. Have you ever had something like that? Something that hits you, like a speed bump. Something that just begins to mess with your faith. Anytime you and I are faced with decisions and and things that happen that we don't understand, we have a choice. We can allow our feelings and our emotions to overwhelm us, or you can anchor yourself to the God that you know. Now, you can't anchor yourself to the God that you know unless you know him. Things happen in our life, beloved, that we just don't understand. It's in those moments that you and I have to take a deep breath and we have to trust that we may not understand the situation, but the thing that we do understand is the nature and the characteristics of the God that we serve. So who is God? God is beyond anything that you and I could truly ever comprehend. But God is also someone that we can ground ourselves to because he reveals to us through his word and through our lives aspects of his very nature. Even though um, we understand God's nature, we know things like God is good. We know things that God, like God is, is omniscient. He knows everything. We know things like that God is sovereign. He's omnipresent. Even though we know his nature, still who he is and how he operates is so far beyond us we can never, ever, ever comprehend him. He's indescribable, uncontainable, Sounds like good words to a song. Wait a second. <laughs> He's undomesticated. You know what that means? That means that he is God and we are not. Sometimes, beloved, in the church, we make God in our image. And make no mistake about it, you and I have been created in his image. He is the, uh, the creator. So today, starting today for the next few months, we're going to take God out of the boxes that we've made for him. We're going to take a hard look at who he is and how he reveals himself to us in his word. We're going to go beyond all the things that we've learned up to this point. Daniel, teach us today, brother. Give it up for Dan Lumpkin, Mr. Elder Dan Lumpkin. So let me just confess, I'm a little nervous, but nervous is good sometimes. If I'm being vulnerable with you, right? Let me get a sip of water because my throat is so dry. But as we consider beyond the undomesticated God, let me just say a few things about that. Religion is relating to God from the bottom up. Right? That's really not where you want to be. However, God desires for us to relate to him from the top down because he is the creator. He is the be-all, know-all, is-all that is and ever will be. And that isn't us. 
So we need to let God define us and stop trying to define Him. You'll never be able to fully define God. However, I'm going to try to help us to understand God a little better today. Of course, my name is Dan Lumpkin. I'm an elder here. Most of you know that. But before I get started, I wanted to introduce a few members of my family that are here today. Bailey, Ellie, Renee, and Zachary. Can y'all give them a hand for me, please? I would not be able to spend the rest of the week with them if I did not acknowledge them. <laughs> and I was at the beach for a few days this week, so if I look a little darker, <laughs> I've been in the sun, all right? So, welcome again. Welcome to those online. Mike, hope you're listening in. Rudy, I hope you're listening in. And uh, all the others. God has something special to say to you today. Now, I may say some things that you may have never heard. You know, I have an assignment from God to be a revealer of truth, right? I know that. Nobody needs to tell me that. I already know that about me because God gave it to me, all right? And I've had the privilege of studying at times and God sharing with me specific things about Scripture you know, that, that has been profound. And some of those things I'm going to share with you today about who we are as a new creation, right? And, and most of us probably don't even understand what that means, all right? But today, we're going to talk about the unchanging God. Jesus Christ is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is, present tense. Always the same, never changing, but here's an oxymoron. He does change. In the circumstances and the affairs of human beings that will not relate to him from the bottom up, but from the top down. He will intervene in your affairs, and he will also intervene in the affairs of our country. Amen? So today we're going to look at what this, who this unchanging God is, what defines him, if he can even be defined, and we're going to look at a couple of his attributes. Now, if I were to do an exhaustive study on this unchanging God, we'd be here forever. So I chose a few things that I'm going to highlight to help us understand this unchanging God. Amen? Amen. But first I want to pray. Father, I thank you for this privilege and this opportunity to break bread with your sons and daughters. I thank you for the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of your anointing to rest upon the ears of your people that they would hear with clarity and specificity. Father, I bind every evil work of the enemy that would come to steal, kill, and destroy this word that is being sown into their hearts that are good ground. Now, Father, I thank you that as I decrease, you increase. Less of me, more of you, none of me, and all of you. And if you agree with that, will you say amen? amen. So we're going to look at Hebrews 13 and 8 first that says, Jesus Christ is the same, is, is. I want to make that point clear. The same 
yesterday, today, and forever. Paul, can you turn me down just a little bit in the monitors? Malachi 3.6 says this, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. I thought that was interesting. There we see God in his mercy, in his mercy. Not just with the descendants of Jacob, but in our lives too. Next, we're going to look at James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So we see there that there is no variation in him, no shadow of turning. And he's a God that gives good and perfect gifts. Amen? Psalms 102 and 27 says this, But you remain the same. You remain the same. And your years will never end. I thought that was interesting. Your years will never end. So as I've been preparing for this message I mentioned it earlier, but it wouldn't be possible for me to express everything about this unchanging God. But I will say this. Jesus Christ is the anointed one. He is the Messiah who came, right? And you heard me in my prayer say the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power is the anointing. And that anointing for us is the Holy Spirit. Amen? So... The fact that he's called the anointing one is for us that, that antidote for every malady. Jesus Christ is the antidote to every malady. What does that mean? Well, let me explain it this way, in the natural. An antidote cures a malady. It's injected into your system. You do nothing. The antidote does all the work. Somebody will get that when you get home. So I want to take a look at this scripture in two ways. I want to look at it in context, because any good Bible teacher will tell you that context is king. So I want to look at this in its context, then I want to look at it in a standalone and express this Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So let's look again at Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength, your strength comes from God's grace. Not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them. Now, do you have or can you remember a leader or someone that impacted your life that was an example for you to follow their faith? Well, I did, and I want to share a few of those people with you. One, this guy to the left, Lou Bender, he was my high school basketball coach. He taught me how to win how to lose, how to be competitive, and to never give up. 
and I still use those examples today. The other guy, George Hilton, he was a pastor in a faith movement in Wilmington, Delaware back in the late 80s. He introduced me to Christ. He was the guy that got me born again. And his example, even though he's dead and gone, powerful man of faith, grew a church over 500 people in less than five years. However, he's dead and gone, and those people have, you know, that scripture that says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter? Well, that happened. This gentleman over here, this military man, my father, he's, he's dead and gone, but that man, man, I miss him tremendously, tremendously. 18 years old when he left, right? But he taught me how to be responsible. He taught me to, to, to provide for the family. He always said, Daniel, always look after your mom. Never forget these words. And whenever you work, always make sure you give your mom something. Always said that. Right? He worked sometimes two, three jobs. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad worked ridiculous hours right? and taught me something, right? that, that in order for, for a man to provide, a man must work. The Bible says that. But these three men have impacted my life tremendously, so uh, I am grateful for, for, for their example in my, in my life. So... As we consider those people that have impacted our lives, I want you to consider those people that have impacted yours, because the Bible also talks about some men of faith and to follow their example, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do, I want to take another look at Hebrews 13, 7 through 9, and I want to pull out a couple truths that are in there. Remember your leaders who taught you the Word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Again, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which do not help those who follow them. So first we see that... Uh, Leaders that, that have impact are of faith, right? And, and we need to follow their example. But then we see that Jesus Christ is always the same today, to yesterday, and forever. He's always the same in the past, the present, and the future. Another way of looking at yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So I also want you to see that... Uh, Yesterday in the past, today in the present, and forever in the future, it really typifies Jesus, the work that he did in the past, the work that he's doing in the present, and the work that he will do in the future. Amen? So now I want to take a look at just verse 9. Verse 9. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. The world has a way of projecting strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, 
which do not help those who follow them. Well, if you know anything about the book of Hebrews, it contrasts law from grace, Moses from Christ. And it depicts Moses' work and Jesus' work being superior to Moses. Amen? We also see that the believer's strength should come from God's grace and not from rules or laws or from rituals or things of that nature. Amen? It also says in order to change, in order to change our conduct, it starts from the inside out, right? Christ put his Holy Spirit in us. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is just another form of Jesus Christ living in us. Amen? But he put his Holy Spirit in us so that he could change our hearts from the inside so we could live right and behave right. A lot of times we try to do that from the opposite, and it doesn't always work out that well. I believe the writer of Hebrews was also trying to tell us something about leaders and the people who we allow in our lives. You know, uh, it, it's nothing wrong to have people in your lives that you consider to be good, hardworking people. But men and women of faith are the people that will impact your life for eternity. Amen? So now I want to take a look. I talked about these, these people of faith that the Bible talks about. And in Hebrews chapter 11, there is a long list of heroes of faith. And we're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to read verses 1 and 2, then we're going to bump down to verse 32 and read the rest. All right? I'll read it for you, so don't worry. Hebrews 1, or Hebrews 11, 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. It is the title deed that what God, whatever he promises, faith says it's yours. Amen? It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. I want you to hear that, that they earned a good reputation by trusting God. They didn't have what we have today, the Holy Spirit living in us. No, 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 no. They literally trusted God. Literally. If God didn't do it, it didn't happen. They believe God. And we'll see that. Verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, wow, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. 
Remember that. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half. Imagine that. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. But look at what, look at what verse 39 says. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet, yet, none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Imagine that. I want you to really let that sink, sink in. These heroes of faith earned a good reputation by their faith, but they did not receive the promise. God having something better for us. And so we, we already know that something better is Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, it's interesting to note that in the Old Testament, what happened was those heroes of faith that, that, that believed God, the Holy Spirit came and rested upon them for the, the, the exploits that they did. But the thing that they didn't have, that we have, they didn't have the ability to have their hearts changed. They didn't have the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside to literally do for them what they couldn't do for themselves. They had to believe God outwardly. Christ, by dying on the cross, sending his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, has brought perfection into our being. And so when I talk about relating to God from the bottom up, which, which is never going to work fully, but relating to God from the top down because He is the Creator. He created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And sometimes it, it wouldn't be bad asking God, Lord, what is it about me that, that makes me do the things I do? God, I can't do this. I, I'm trying to change, but I can't. And you know what? You can't by yourself. But with Him... All things are possible. Amen? So Jesus Christ is the leader of all ages. He's the leader of all ages, yesterday, today, and forever. But again, nothing is better than like your faith, God having provided something better that we don't only have to live by our faith, but we can live by Jesus Christ's faith. Because he accomplished some stuff that we didn't for us. Amen? Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. That's us. We have been crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this life which I now live in this flesh or physical body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. There it is. Who loved me so much. I know that's not in there. And gave himself for me. So let me just say this. Powerful scripture. I would really like to break it down, but I can't. Don't have enough time. But let me say this. In Corinthians 5.17, it talks about being a new creation, right? Old things have passed away. Well, what is it that has passed away? The old man. So why is it that we are trying to repair something that God has crucified and buried? We are new creations in Christ. We are spirit beings living in a human experience, and we are designed by God to be a new species of being. We are not like that person that you work alongside of that isn't born again. You have contact with heaven. They don't. You have power that they don't. You have a source that they don't. We need to learn how to tap into that. Like be dialed in all the time. Are you dialed in today, family? I'm dialed in. So, so hear that to, today. We've been crucified with Christ. Faith, now, I get it. But Dan, we live in this physical body. This is my flesh. That's where faith comes in. Remember what I said? Faith is the currency. Faith is the title deed. Faith is to God the reality of his word, not your human experience. Yeah, in your human experience, you might be human, but to God, you are a spirit. So we need to listen to what God has defined us since he is the creator, right? In the old covenant, they did not have that benefit of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And they had to live on their performance. We are not to live in performance orientation. God has done away with that. He has now provided something better. Amen? Now I would like to take a look at this unchanging God, right? In a standalone. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did y'all get that, what I just said about being crucified with Christ and flesh and all that? All right, go study that. Trust me. God will share some more with you. But in this, this, this idea of this unchanging God, I'm going to share with y'all some Hebrew today, too. Let's take a look at the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 1-1. In the beginning, God, that's powerful, created the heaven and earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. Now let's take a look at John 1, 1 and 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Powerful. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So we see in the beginning, the Word is Jesus. And he was with God in the beginning. And he was God. That's powerful. Now, John 1, 14 and 18 says this, and the word became flesh. Imagine that. God put skin on. 
God put skin on. Like when you really think about that, God is just so awesome in himself that he turned himself into himself and became like us. That's powerful. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He come, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him to us. So we see that Jesus came to give us a better presentation of the Father. Amen? We also see that Christ put on flesh. We see that he came from the Father, and he was full of grace and truth. Now, grace and truth, even though there is an and in between there, they, they are one. Grace is the truth about who Jesus is. As a matter of fact, Jesus is grace and truth. It's interesting that the law was given and that Christ came, right? He wanted to impact our lives so much that he came in person. He came in the person of Jesus Christ to accomplish some stuff that he knew we couldn't do for ourselves. So what are some other ways that Jesus uh, revealed himself as? That there are a number of things in the Bible that we could go to, but I'm just going to name a few. In John 8, 56 and 58, the I am in who Abraham rejoiced was Jesus. In Jude 5, the Redeemer who brought them out of Egypt was Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 10, 40, 12, 40, the king of Isaiah's temple was Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry, the rock of, in the wilderness in 1 Corinthians 10, 4 was Christ. And then in the king of Isaiah's temple, vision was the sun. Now, it's interesting that Christ in the Old Testament did not show up in person, but he showed up by performing works. He performed works. He, he literally typified his grace in the Old Testament by doing things for the children of Israel. Amen? In Exodus 3, 3 13 through 14, we also see that Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. Now, this was at a time where Moses was called to the children of Israel who had been held captive for years, for years. At this time, they didn't even know who this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. They began to groan, and if you read what the Bible says, God heard their groanings. And then he gets this guy, Moses, who had did some stuff already, and he was like, God, I'm not really trying to go back there, but God sends him anyway. So we pick it up right here. Moses said to God, 
suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The phrase I am who I am is Hebrew. It's Hebrew. And in Hebrew, which reads from right to left, is Yahweh, yud Hey vav Hey, meaning Lord Yahweh or Jehovah, and is referred to as the Tetragrammaton, or uh, a word having four letters. I told you I was going to teach you all some Hebrew today. So again, Hebrew reads from right to left, yud Hey vav Hey, and it literally means in Hebrew, behold the hand, behold the nail. That says something, don't it? It is interesting that in his own name, he has defined himself and his work. So is this unchanging God that, that, that we serve undomesticated, or is it a God that we still try to domesticate? He defines himself. That is unchanging about himself, all right? And so I also want to take a look at another aspect of this unchanging God. And for that, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 and 20. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now, when the people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things about God, about the Lord Jesus Christ, are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us, which is powerful, and I'll, I'll share a little bit about that. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This unchangeable aspect of God is called immutability. It means the state of not changing or unable to be changed. And the two immutable things are his promise. Every word of God is true. If he promises it, he is able to fulfill it. Believe that today. And then his oath. He swore by himself. Since there was no one greater for him to swear by. 
his promise and his oath, the two immutable things. Now, I want to take a look at how, how this new covenant came, up, came about. The prophet Jeremiah proclaimed that there would be a new covenant. And that's what the Old Testament spoke about, this coming Messiah, this coming Messiah. So what was he coming for? What was he coming for? But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness. And check this out. I will never again remember their sins. I will never again remember their sins. I will never again remember their sins. I hope that sunk in. Because we seem to keep relating to God from the bottom up every time we miss it. And God has declared you righteous, and he's looking at you, not through you, but through the finished work of Christ, what he has done. Yeah, we miss it, we, we, you know, all that. But God still has declared you righteous. Amen? And this is for you. He has declared you righteous yesterday, today, and forever. Because he's died for your sins. And whenever Christ does something, ladies and gentlemen, it, it's a completed, final, not open for questionable thing. Like he doesn't go back on his word. If he said it, it's settled. It's settled. I hope you hear that today. And I don't mean to get loud, but my, my heart, like I, I look out into the body of Christ and I see people struggling, struggling. And I don't understand that because if we believe what Christ has done, then we don't need to struggle. We just need to believe. We just need to believe. Amen. So let's go to Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I want to talk about this high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our high priest. Amen? Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. There's nothing you could experience that Christ doesn't identify with. Amen? Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This great high priest, what he does, he is in heaven right now before the Father waiting for you to make your confession. What he does, he takes your confession, whatever it is you might be struggling with, if you connect a promise to it, he is the guy that takes your word to the Father and says, Father, do you hear Daniel? He's confessing my work on the cross that his sin's forgiven and he's struggling, but I have died for him. Father, fix it for him. 
That's our high priest. That's what he does. That's who he is. Amen? <coughs> Hebrews 7.25 Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He's interceding for us, family. All the time. He is our eternal high priest. Today, in the present, Jesus is our high priest. He is the high priest over our confession. And so in closing, let me just say this, that in Hebrews 9.28, it says something else about the future. So also Christ was offered once, offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of men. There it is again. He will come again, not to deal with our sins. He's done that. He's finished with that. But he will come again, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly await him. That's the possession of that brand new body. Right? Amen to that. Glad to get out of this. Right? But, but hear that today, family. Jesus Christ is self-existent. He, he defines himself. We are to relate to him, not from the bottom up, but from the top down, because he is the creator. And whenever you have a problem, a struggle, trust me, you're not going to blow him away. You, you, you're not going to cause him to put his head down because he, he understands. And so as we close today, if anything that I have said touched your heart or if you don't know this undomesticated God, I want to extend an invitation with every eye closed and heads bowed, please. If you would like to know Jesus, who is the same yesterday and forever, can you raise your hand, please? Or if you heard something today and you said, well, that's new to me, Dan. I, I really didn't know that about Jesus Christ. Uh, I need to get in alignment with that. Would you raise your hand? Amen. So, Father, I'm not even going to go by the hands that are raised. I'm asking you, Lord God, to look at hearts. I'm asking you to look at hearts because you see, Lord God, everything. There is nothing hidden before you. And, Father, for those who do not know you as this unchanging, undomesticated God, Jesus, Father, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that you would shake up their world, that they would not have peace until they submit to your authority. And to those, Lord God, that may have heard something that was different or, or, or they didn't fully understand, Father, I pray that you would illumine their understanding that you would bring clarity, spiritual wisdom and understanding to their mind. Renew them, 
from the inside out. Literally change them. And Father, I pray that You would begin to intervene in the affairs of their lives. That You would reveal Yourself more and more to them. That they would experience You for who You are, the unchanging God. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we thank you for being with us today. If the prayer team would come up, if you need or desire prayer for any reason, please come down. Don't, don't leave holding on to something that, that you can settle right here. We can sell it right here. Happy July 4th to everybody and you online. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.